don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo. And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds. The deal is that if I'm using Facebook for free, then I am the product. We were joined by Dan Price, who has years of experience working in the industry for the likes of Digitas and Cult London, but who's since gone on to found his own social media consultancy firm called Useful Social. If not government, then who? That was the question we posed to Dan about regulation and controls within social media. Who really polices social media platforms and where does the responsibility lie? Maybe it's not government, maybe it's society. Maybe that's a better way of talking about it, that society needs to come to terms with the fact that we live in a new age where the rules have changed. We just haven't quite realised it yet. All this and more, coming up. How will data and government regulation shape the next five years of social, in your opinion? Oh, a big one, a big one to get started. I think... Um, <laughs> I think data is data is one of those things which people think is just your email address, but it's not really, is it? You know, it's it's whether you're happy, you're sad, what you like, what you don't. Mm. It's uh, you know what your face looks like, and social takes input from all these different areas. So I think the, the, our concept of data needs to change, and I think a government's concept of data needs to change as well. It's not just my bank details anymore. You know, I, it, it's it's kind of we're in a situation where the things that we uh, we've basically we're on platforms like social platforms like Facebook, where we've been given uh, we've given them our likes and dislikes. They have a really detailed picture built up about who we are, and now people are using that to kind of in some cases, manipulate us, as we've seen with uh, Brexit and the, the election of Trump. There's been accusations made that Russian bot farms have been manipulating people, all the while Facebook making money out of these mm. people that are doing mm. it. But there's also uh, um, marketers are using it, you know, and, and as, as social marketers, we're, we're always looking at what value we can add and, you know, what do our audience like and tailoring our message. So we're using people's data to sell to them. Mm -hmm. Mm. In some ways, that's a good thing because I don't get things that I'm not interested in. But in other ways, it's who's got access to this data? And that's a big challenge for government. And when we talk about government, I don't think one government can can deal with it. I think it's uh, we we need a global approach. Maybe the UN or someone like that. But it's the question. One of the questions of our times, really, what are we going to do? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And almost just hearing you say that then, it made me think that there's a certain irony to this because uh, all of these issues that have come as a result of data mistrust are mainly focused around government, you know, defrauding governments, electing governments yeah. and voters and all sorts from there. It's, uh, yeah, I think, well, I think you think about how social has changed the way we live beyond just kind of having a platform to go to and waste our time on or, you, you, mm. or, or spend our time on. It's become a really 
uh, intrinsic part of the way we live our lives. Mm. It's where we get most of our information now. Like people's first source of information is is social media. Yeah. Um, so as well as kind of it helps us decide where we eat, what, what we buy, where we live, you know, if you move house, what you look on the internet, you look at, you put a shout out to your friends and all these kind of different, uh, all these different ways that social influences what we do. Yeah. The people that control that influence and the people that control access to that data that's gathered mm. is a really big question. And mm. it's something that no one is really kind of putting their hand up and saying, that, you know, there's, uh, uh, there's got to be something done about it. Yeah. I, I actually think that the government doesn't like the fact that they're not the ones who control I think our you're absolutely data right. and interest. There's a there was a lot about um, encryption. I, I don't know about about a year ago, in uh, the government started talking about um, maybe banning WhatsApp because uh, because the data is encrypted end to end, so yeah. they can't read the messages. And yeah. there's there's a definite, probably solid argument to be made that bad people are using these networks to kind of organize and plan terror attacks and criminal activities and things like that. But there's also the question of if you give the government access to that data, then what will they actually use it for? You know, we've seen examples of local councils using terrorism laws to to target people who haven't paid their tax bill or to target people who are leaving rubbish out around. So there's a real... I mean, we do have measures and, and laws around this, but I don't think it really um, meets the, the issues, really. You know, we, there's, the, the, there's clear laws around broadcasting and around and media and advertising, but they don't really grasp the, the potential of the technology and the way that the technology is going. Mm. It, it, they're always a couple of steps behind and the people that are in power don't really get it. You know, yeah. they don't really understand uh, the real implications of it. Do you think that's uh, Mark Zuckerberg's stance on the subject? He was speaking uh, at Harvard a, a few, about a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and his sort of comments were, you know, we're, we're, we're open to legislation so long as it's meaningful legislation. And to me, that just seems like an admission of, okay, we're not quite there yet, you know, with what you're asking I think of it's, us. I think, it's, I think it's, it's kind of more profound than that. I think he's... He, he knows that the the wind is changing, and he's trying to influence the way it blows so they can keep making money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's always there's always been a real tension for Facebook between privacy and uh, you know and and respecting people's privacy and being able to make money or being able to provide this service. And there's always there's been a, quite a few U-turns from Facebook over the years about how much control you have over your privacy, and it's getting to a better place, I think. But Having those tools available and uh, and having that kind of um, those capabilities to manage your privacy doesn't quite quite do the job because people don't really understand the deal they've made. The deal is that if I'm using Facebook for free, then I am the product. Yeah. And the same with any social anything you don't pay for, there's money being made somewhere. Yeah. You know? People are paying for like us, aren't they? Like. Oh, we're, course, we're not yeah. paying for yeah. service. Yeah, exactly. And from a marketing point of view, that's actually, it's a really interesting thing for us to be able to say, well, I can tailor my message, tailor my product, tailor my brand, whatever it might be, and reach really specific people and niches that I want to talk to. And that's that's really powerful. But 
it comes into this kind of thing of there's a little bit of moral ambiguity about being a social media manager or, or using social data yeah. that um, as marketers, we're using the same systems that are used to kind of man- manipulate elections and things like that. And all the while money's being made mm. um, from Facebook or Twitter or whoever it might be. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You do think about it sometimes, don't you? Because yeah. there, there are certain levels like on a on a more human level, I guess, uh, there's a part of it that makes me a bit wary about how much information I've like given out over the years probably unknowingly because you're right people aren't aware of the deal that they made I had no idea until I started working in industry just how intimate the details are that they that they store on us and to a point you're like oh that creeps me out a little bit I don't know how I feel about that but then obviously working on this side of things you can see how useful it is and you can see that when it is applied for the right reasons uh, it's not always a bad thing but Mm. governments obviously only see how it's impacting them which has been negatively do you think people are more woke now as a result? Yeah, of the- I, I think they are. I think people use ad blockers, and and the and Google are starting to put ad blockers at the kind of browser level mm. now, and you don't have to put a plugin in, mm. um, and they're blocking kind of uh, malicious code as well that could kind of access your data. But I think um, it's yeah, it's a it's a really it's it's a really tricky one. I think data. The data that we've got out there is such, it's not just the points of information that you have, um, that, that you've sent out. It's the kind of, it's the picture that it builds and the profile that, that you've had built. So if I'm a social marketer, I can say, well, I've got, let's say, an insurance product and I can target people who are about to buy a, a house um, who are in a certain demographic, have a certain level of income, in a certain ethnicity, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of controversy over that. Mm. I think that Facebook have just had to backtrack yeah, about this kind it. of ethnic targeting. And am I interested in men, women, mm. and, and all these different kind of? It's because like data some points. some people were, were using it like the opposite of how it was intended. So instead of targeting someone for relevant products based on ethnicity, they were choosing to omit certain ethnicities yeah, for like prejudice yeah. reasons. Meeting people yeah. from insurance yeah. and housing, like you said, and yeah, yeah, yeah. services. It's, it's that, the old Spider-Man thing, isn't it? With, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, you have this, you have the ability to do all these amazing things, but it, it's one of those things where we need to kind of take a little bit of a step back and say, should we be? Should we have access to? The, should we have a network that allows us to do these things? Mm. Because there is no way at the moment that's starting to be whether I can tell the things that I'm reading are true or false. Yeah. And because of the way humans are, we have our confirmation biases. That a social network is set up to 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 feed those because it's what I like. I'll show you what you like, and and it's all about what you like. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm in a world then where I'm just getting my political viewpoint thrown back at me in my little echo chamber. Yeah. And I think I think this is why Brexit was such a shock to people. It's because I'm in my little echo chamber and I'm all the people that I like are saying things that I that I agree with. Mm. And anyone that I don't really agree with, I'll block. You know, I'll I'll push to the side. So it you get to a really interesting place where you've got no other dissenting opinion. So I did, I did a little experiment um, where I looked on YouTube at some right-wing commentators and uh, like Ben Shapiro and people like that. And, you know, at first glance, it's, you know, it's quite interesting. And they have some, you know, 
it gets a bit shouty after a while and, you know, it's a bit boring. But then YouTube started serving me up yeah. similar videos. And after I'd watched a few of them, you know, it was really interesting how my, uh, the feed and the content that was served to me had completely changed. Mm. And there's, there's kind of nuances and subtleties there that the implications of that have not been thought through. Or if they have, they're not being talked about. Yeah. You know, and government is in no way, no way prepared for that kind of thing. No. We're used to, the government runs on newspapers. You know, it's like, what's the headline? If you watch Newsnight or something like that, you know, Brexit, a go-go at the moment. If you watch that, they talk about the, the front pages of the newspapers and all these kind of things. Most people don't really read newspapers anymore. They see extracts of that information given spin and put into an echo chamber, into yeah. their little echo chamber. One article can have five different meanings to whoever's looking at it. So... It's a, yeah, it's really fascinating. You touch on that uh, little experiment that you had. I, I had a similar thing where I think I watched a uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg video on YouTube. And <laughs> I'm not endorsing Jacob Rees-Mogg in any way. Um, and then suddenly it was Infowars. It was this. It was Breitbart. It was yeah. absolutely yeah. everything. You know I think it's so interesting. Or not interesting, maybe like more mind-numbing. The fact that Donald Trump and other governments are always coming out and saying that the social networks have a bias leaning to the left. Yeah. But I notice it's always whoever's in, well, it's not true at all. Whoever's in power at the time accuses the platforms of giving a bias to the other side. But I'd be saying that though. That's an interesting point. I'd be keen to get your thoughts on that as well, Dan, because naturally you get this sense of. Silicon Valley, you know, and these very forward-thinking, fast-paced tech environments. And, you know, if you were an alien from outer space and you had to choose one, you'd, you'd say quite left-wing, surely, wouldn't you? Well, uh, or is that a... I, I think what you've got to remember about Silicon Valley and, and, and the social networks is the people that run those and, and build those are techies, they're developers. The main, they're not really thinking about society's big issues. It's almost like Pandora's box, in a way. They've opened up this technology that is having implications that they haven't thought about. There's, you know, I, I don't want to be sitting here saying like social's bad and, and it's because I work in it day to day and, I, you know, I can see the power it can have for good and, and how it can be really powerful for building a business and all these kind of things. But there are definitely questions that are raised by Facebook and Twitter and, and, and all of these different, um, all of the different networks that haven't been thought about and need mm. to be and really do need to be thought about. You know, it feeds it, these things that, um, like trolls and people giving death threats on Twitter and mm -hmm. things like that to people they disagree with. We, 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 what it has done is changed our discourse into a really sh shouty kind of no one can really have a, a conversation um, on kind of e on level terms anymore. You know, mm -hmm. it's always like you're bad. I'm right. You yeah. know, and mm -hmm. it's really polarized people's opinions yeah. and people like. Um, people on either side of the spectrum take advantage of that, on the political spectrum take advantage of that. So, and people get really caught up into it and and, and what would be a kind of online debate. And we're always quite bad. I don't know if you remember the old forums and flame wars and, the, you know, way back in the day, I'm, a, I'm an internet granddad, I suppose. <laughs> um, back in the day when we had the flame wars, um, it, you know, there was still very, um, you had things like Goddard's Law, which, which means that... Um, uh, a conversation is over when someone's accused of being a Nazi. You know, that, that's basically, <laughs> once a conversation reached that point, there's no way out. There's no way back from that conversation. Yeah. It, it's ruined. Um, but you seem to hit that in seconds all the time on, on social. Yeah. 
and I, I think that's just a reflection of um, this technology has allowed people to kind of allowed them a voice, democratize knowledge. But who's shaping that knowledge that we have? Who's yeah. who, and, and we're, yeah, we're, people aren't taught how to behave on social. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you, I, you would never say some of the things you say on social put someone's face. Who you know? do you think should be shaping that knowledge? Because we talk about how uh, you know, like we know what the business model of Facebook has done to information. Like we know how the algorithm works, and like you said, it's creating these echo chambers. But to change that would mean them literally uprooting their entire business model. Do you like? Do you think it'll work? <sighs> Does, like, does is it, it a realistic dream, it, well, basically? Uh, well, you see, if, if not government, who? Well, yeah. so there's. I think it. I think you, you can't have one person doing it or one body doing it. I think yeah. it needs to be self policing. I think we need to we need to educate and be more aware and be more open to other people's opinions. I think we're at the mercy of algorithms that are kind of pushing us one way or the other. But I think in terms of what we should do. Taking money out of the situation would probably help, but it's a, it, that yeah. is impossible. If you've got a business model in our society that works, then and you've got a way of making money, you're going to make money, and yeah. you know, and good luck to you. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not advocating against that. But one of the interesting things I think about Twitter is that Twitter has struggled to grow, but it's a really popular platform. It's a really mm. you know when something's happening, you're on Twitter, you're finding out in the moment. But the problem with Twitter is it's really difficult to monetize it because of the way that it works. It, it, it's solved a problem immediately when it started. And, you know, the problem of being able to get up to the minute information and and that's why journalists and politicians love it because you, you're on the zeitgeist, you, mm. you, you're in the moment with it. But it's really difficult to monetize and Twitter have really, really struggled to grow. They've, they've, they've been at 350 million users forever, you know, in, in, in internet terms. Mm. Facebook sailed away to over billions and, you know, uh, Snapchat sailed away, Instagram sailed away, but Twitter have just been stuck because really technologically it's great. It doesn't need anything else. You know, live videos, little bits, tweaks here and there, but it's really, it's tough to monetize because adverts in, in the feed in that way are really annoying and don't really work. Yeah. And plus, you know, as this is a marketing podcast, I think Twitter's overpriced for for marketing as well. I, I think your return on investment is much harder to find on Twitter. Mm. And the reason for that is they don't collect as much data as Facebook do. So there's a conundrum. Told you they were the wholesome platform. Yeah, well, well <laughs> when you sign up to Twitter, you get you give them a name, an email, maybe male or female and your birthday. Yeah. They have to infer where data is. But they've always been a lot much more, they've been, always been a lot more open with their data. It's been very mm. easy to search Twitter forever, you know. Um, you can search on Twitter and find loads of relevant conversations. But Facebook's always been closed, but has a lot more data that they own. Yeah. To your point as well on the on the three hundred million uh, active users, it was a sort of uh, a kind of a sad moment, I suppose, when a, when a few weeks ago they uh, say a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I think it was uh, that they released their daily active users numbers, and they turned out to be even lower, about around twenty. I think. Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the it's a really techy thing but it's really easy to write, write a twitter bot because it was just text and it's really and it's 140 characters and it's it's really easy to get bots running on twitter yeah and they have a real they 
I think they get they're getting on top of the bot problem. Yeah, but it's still which uh, has been a response to government as well. Like they they've been pressured into that, haven't they? Yeah, I, I think so. And also, I think uh, I think that the, the biggest pressure is actually their investors. The like WTF, you know, it is like all these numbers are actually not right, you yeah. know. And I, I think if I was an investor in that, I'd be like, you know, what what are your real numbers? Yeah. But the, the thing is, the way that we've seen social networks grow is by growing their users and, and growing them exponentially and through the roof until everyone in the, in the world is using it. It's all, I always feel like Twitter should be a public service that's like Wikipedia. Twitter should yeah. be the Wikipedia model that, yeah. it, it, you know, maybe donations, maybe charitable foundations or whoever. And that's, you know, maybe that should be the global social network that's not driven by capital interest. Yeah. Interesting point. It feels Wikipedia, but also Channel Four in some respects. Yeah, yeah. But then Just give again, it to Jon Snow; he'll uh... be fine. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. coloured socks on Twitter. I'll be down for that. <laughs> but even Channel Four's government funded, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, on the uh, topic of platforms as well. So, on the topic of platforms and government, I should say, Article Thirteen, ah. obviously, oh, yeah. big, big one. Keen to get your thoughts on that. Another Pandora's box. Yeah, <laughs> but, I think just one of the. I can see what they're trying to do. You know, they're, t- they're trying to. They, it's quite a big. It's, it's quite a big topic. So, kind of like noble intentions, wasn't well, it? Well, yeah, kind of. They're trying to protect commercial interests yeah. of of people that create content. Mm-hmm. And as content creators, that's a hundred percent cool. I'm entirely happy with content creators being able to get paid for what they do. That is, that you know, that's that's let's start as a, as a baseline. Yeah. But the, one of the most wonderful things about social media is the kind of is t- memes and taking bits of content and reusing them and not making money out of them per se, but refactoring other people's content to make something new, mm. like mixed media. It's like making a collage, isn't yeah. it? You know, you know, you're making something funnier and funnier, and and you're getting little in jokes. And this is Reddit. You know, this is what Reddit does. You know, they they kind of filter the internet and make it new and make it interesting and take little bits of culture and twist them and and repurpose it for their own culture. Yeah. That's been it's, the it's amazing. Memes, yeah, it's, it's literally a, the life and soul of the internet. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. And when you're in on the joke, it's so funny. You know, you get the... It, it, it gives you... Memes are like a, um, a self-authorizing language. You know, yeah. if you know what a meme's about, then you are... It's, that's what hieroglyphics used to be. So, yeah. so you'd look at hieroglyphics and if you could read them at one level, it'd mean one thing to you, but you read it in another way, it means something else. And that's exactly what memes are. And it's amazing. And it's... I love it. But what the EU have done, <laughs> but throw us a bone here, guys. You know, we're going through Brexit and stuff. You're giving us a reason to leave. <laughs> Salt in the yeah. wound. But the, um, <laughs> the, the, basically, it's people that don't understand how the internet has worked are, have, have made this, this law. And I, I really don't think it's feasible. You know, you're going to have uh, content filters and, and things like that. You're just going to, it's going to turn into YouTube where you've got a real problem with people taking down mm. uh, original content and just the, 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 a kind of, the way that they're doing it is uh, take down, ask questions later, you yeah. know, and it's just going to stifle creativity and things like that. I I disagree with Article 13. Is I've got a very long-winded way of saying that. But do you, do you think that such a tech exists that's sophisticated enough to tell the difference between memes and copyright content that's no, all right? I don't think so. Because I, I think... They can be so subtle sometimes, yeah. and 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 it, it's like that self-authorizing language. You have to kind of be in on the joke. I do, as far as I'm aware, there's no technology that can tell a joke or sarcasm or you know, or the, you yeah. know those kind of things. That I think if you're going to do it, you're going to do it properly, and you really want to do it, you need 
farms of humans to, to do it, which isn't really practical. So it all feeds back to this kind of notion of copyright. And, and you know, it used to be that you'd have the copyright for something for 70 years and then it would... Um, it would then become public use. Yeah. But now people don't want to give up their copyright. You yeah. know, I think like Paul McCartney was coming to the stage where because he was, you know, he's living long, people are living longer, you know, they have access to that. You know, he's going to lose the rights to his own stuff. But it's, um, I don't think that should happen. But it used to be that, you know, when people would walk, you wrote a newspaper, you'd read it one day and it'd go and the, the content was gone or you'd hear a song and that was it. And nobody really owned them. And there was this kind of folk knowledge and and we've gotten into the system where copyright has become something that was never originally intended to be. Yeah. Um, so we're struggling with that, and you know, because we're in this kind of, uh, this free for all of the internet and everyone can be a content creator. Mm. And it seems that the people who can pay for better lawyers get a better you know, a better shake at the stick. And yeah. I, I, I don't think that's right. I yeah. want to, uh, it's, and it's quite interesting, Dan, as soon as I asked you that question about Article 13, you said, I can see what they're trying to do, but, and this to me seems like a sort of representative of what government are trying to do in their policing with social media in every instance of the world. It's like... It's so flat-footed. You're nearly there, but you just yeah. don't yes. know what you're doing. It's, well, the people, then, that, the people that are in government now have not grown up with the internet. No. They, they don't understand. Some people get it. Some people are good. You know, some politicians are really good at social media. You know, they... Well, Twitter. But... Um, and you've seen things like, um, you know, organisations like Momentum are, are quite good at memeing it out, you know, doing their kind of creating content that resonates with people. But in terms of legislating and the people that are in power, they are just not equipped yeah. to to be able to deal with this. And this is why you have um, real issues with, like with the um, the Brexit campaign, people are overspending on Facebook and they, you know, the, when... Um, uh, when uh, the politician was killed in, in just before the uh, the Brexit vote, there was an agreement that all advertising would stop and there was accusations that the Vote Leave campaign didn't stop. But actually, starting, you know, with, a, with, with when you're in the algorithm, controlling where your content is is actually, unless you delete it, is actually quite hard. You can't stop because once it's out there, it's kind of it's being passed around and... Having the the old conventions don't apply, and mm. we we need people that recognise the way the the way media really works now, and the way that people consume information has completely changed. Yeah. Do you think though, as as say like um, time passes and people who are in power at the moment um, obviously are going to die out, and people who have grown up with the internet will come into power? Do you think a- some of these wrongs will be righted, a- or will it be too late? No, no, no. It, 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 the wrongs won't be righted because there's something new will come, and you know it will be. Yeah, and then we'll be clearly. Yeah, about exactly. That and- you know, I've got I've got young kids, and I can already see. You know, they're going to be leagues ahead of me in whatever they do. You know, it's, <laughs> so this VR is ruining yeah, people's I can see my, lives. How yeah, do we stop it? Exactly. You know, and it's the old, you know, I called myself an internet granddad. But, you know, the, the thing of like, you know, the things that I've seen as the kind of as the internet has changed and how social media's come up. Like even I'm falling out now mm. of falling. Like I don't use uh, Snapchat really. Yeah. You know, it, that kind of that would have passed me by had I not been 
you know, working at agencies and things like that. It yeah. probably would have passed me by. And uh, things that have definitely passed me by are things like TikTok and it used to be called Lively and Musical.ly yeah. and, and, and those kind of things. The only reason I had a vague notion of what they were is because of the industry I work in. Yeah. And, you know, your average Joe on the street has no concept of those new networks. Mm. Do you think then that government solutions should be to work more closely with people in industry, like the people who actually understand it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you start to get into bigger questions about, you know, well, how should you run a government and, and things <laughs> like that? You know, the way government don't tend to make um, decisions based on evidence. They make it more on what the the papers will say about what they do right. and how many votes they'll get at the next election. Yeah. So, you know, without getting into really bigger conversations here, um, I, I think we need to have a much more um, evidence-based conversation and a coming together of society accepting. Maybe it's not government, maybe it's society. Maybe that's a better way of talking about it, that society needs to come to terms with the fact that we live in a new age where the rules have changed. We just haven't quite realised it yet. I, well, maybe we have realised it, but we haven't done anything about it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's not like it's, it, there are dangers to it, but we haven't taken advantage of it yet. You know, mm. and and mm. Th there are huge advantages. You know, for democracy, for for all. You know, the way the way we live our lives now is definitely better. I think, although we have lost some things. You know, Internet Granddad coming out again, but <laughs> the uh, the. We have lost some things, but I think on 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 the whole, it's much better than it was. I love having Twitter, you know, to fix my Brexit addiction, you know, just to... Uh, but oh, I'm having, tempted to mute the term. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But the um, society needs to have a have a look and have a conversation about about that. Mm. To, to ask you a, a heavy question, I suppose, do you subscribe to the... Uh, you've got Tristan Harris, obviously, with the Time Well Spent movement. But it feels whenever we really talk about social media and policing it and improving it, it's only really ever spoken about in terms of social media overuse or mental health. Is that, are we in risk of paying too much attention to one side and that's sort of how the other side has gotten through um, in a way? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think social media does have a, a, a negative effect on mental health. Mm. I think that's, you know, that, that's part of, you know, that, that's, that's undisputable, I think. Um, people thinking they need to lead, lead curated lives through the Instagram lens, I, I think is, that is definitely can be problematic. Mm. It can be fun. It can be amazing sharing these experiences, uh, but it can be problematic, definitely. Um it's part of that wider conversation that we need to have. I think too much of anything is a bad thing. If, you, if you're living your life in a screen, then you're missing out mm -hmm. on loads, aren't you? You know, mm -hmm. I think maybe technology will help. So like uh, Google Glass, you know, that, that, that really weird, terrible looking thing was they were trying to solve an interesting problem is that people are, are sitting down looking at their phones, but really you want to be able to look up and look out and yeah. maybe I, I'm, I'm certain Apple will be coming out with Apple glasses and things yeah. like that. Maybe, maybe we'll start to, uh, you know, have a slightly different perception of that. Maybe, or maybe that'll make it worse. Google maybe. Glass didn't take off though, did it? It didn't, but I don't think it was glasses. ever designed to. I, I think it was just trying to prove a uh, technology, you know? Okay. I think, 
if you think about augmented reality, yeah. in my little, um, I work in a little innovation hub at the moment with my little startup and I sit opposite a guy who is doing um, virtual reality and AR work. And some of the stuff he does is crazy, like crazy. Um, basically um, augmented reality, just giving context to the world. And um, he has this thing where built on the Unreal Engine. I don't know if you've heard of that before. It's basically it computer game modeling. Yeah. But basically he does PowerPoints inside computer games. So you can be, you wear a VR headset and you can basically do your PowerPoint presentation inside this kind oh, of virtual wow. world. What's it like practice? Well, to, to experience it. So not you're not just being given information, you're experiencing information, you know. When they said AR would bring exciting experiences, I don't know if they were thinking about PowerPoint presentations. Well, maybe not, no. But, well, I think... It, Aware, as a way of delivering information, it's interesting, but but or AR in like if you're building an engine, you know, giving you instructions, or if you're yeah. walking down the street and having oh, there's a blue plaque there. Oh, there, here's some more information. You know, yeah. I think that's quite cool. But at the same time, when do you switch off from that? That's yeah, mm, yeah. Mm. I think we've got screen timers and stuff coming in now, um, which is good. I, I always get shocked about how much I've used my phone. Me too. In a week. It's like, oh, I'm down. What I'm do only using it seven what? hours a day. And seven like, oh, hours yeah. a day? Yeah. I have some long journeys every day. I can be <laughs> I like two hours, bad. <laughs> two hours a day. That's still a lot though, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Uh, a few subjects that we haven't yet uh, gone on to, and uh, this was something that you mentioned to us as well, Elizabeth Warren, um, oh, yeah, the US, yeah. who uh, her sort of uh, lady of government, uh, senator? I don't know. She's a oh, senator, yeah. and she's running for president in the US. Oh, right. Um, so 2020 is the, is it 2020, the big yeah, election, or 2022? Uh, anyway, um, 2020. 2020, I think. It'll be 2020, yeah. yeah. 2020. So uh, when Trump's up for re-election, all the Democrats are coming out now. And Ooh. one of the big uh, pushes from Elizabeth Warren, who's seen as a kind of progressive kind of senator, is mm. breaking up the four big tech companies. So mm. you're talking Facebook, Amazon, um, Google, and I don't know who else you meant. But anyway, she's using these platforms to advertise on. To, uh, to send out her message to people that they should be broken up, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. The, she recognises the power that they have. She's quite happy to use it to, to, to get herself elected. Yeah. But she's raised the question, and I've never really heard anyone talk about it before, that maybe they should be broken up. I don't know quite how you'd achieve it. Yeah, what I don't would know that what she means like? by broken up, yeah. Well, like a... I mean, so for instance, if you were Google, you might break the search business away from the email business, for instance, mm. you know? Basically, the reason why you have Gmail for free is because they use that to gather information from you and then target adverts to you. Right. Google is a, an ad targeting business and they use all their different free products to kind of parcel that information into their search mm -hmm. or, in, or into their, sorry, ad display. So the same kind of thing could happen with Facebook and, and Instagram. and you know, breaking all of its different services operating separate to one another. Yeah, maybe, or or maybe just breaking out the the sale of data at one end. You know, right. you can keep the companies like that, but you know, taking the data end of it away from the front end of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and just I think they'd still be part of the same company, but you could. I don't know. I mean, I don't know mm -hmm. how you do it. Wouldn't that take us back like a million steps in terms of convenience? And like you said, like the amount of targeting and like sophisticated well, personalized I, I, experiences. I we're think you've hit to. the nail on the head there, isn't it? You know, we 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 have taken this step where we're saying convenience and and having data in context is really useful. Mm. Like having Google suggesting articles to me and stuff is really useful, but there's also this pr 
problem, I suppose you'd say, or this issue of the having this big picture of data and who has access to it and who can use it and who can manipulate it. I think people would be much more unhappy with the situation without all of that because they don't realise how much they appreciate all that convenience and all that personalisation well, and off, isn't personal you know, use. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even TV adv adverts are tailored now. You know, you, yeah. you get served regional and... Um, you know, accord, like in, on Sky, according to what you what you like, they'll serve mm. you relevant ads in in uh, ad breaks. Mm. I'm intrigued to know what they think of this in China because in China you've got the you know the three big tech platforms between them, haven't you? You've got uh, WeChat and Alibaba, and each of those account for everything. You know, I, I know we yeah, talk about well, the internet here, but they are the internet, I suppose. Yeah, China, well, it's, right? a, it's an interest. It's interesting what's happened there and because you've got the great firewall of China and, and it, there's a lot of stuff that's been blocked, effectively, uh, WeChat is the internet in China or was the, the internet in that, you know, you have you have your, your equivalent of a Facebook page as a business on there and, and you use your, you can use money, through, spend money through WeChat and all of these different services kind of come together in this app environment as opposed to the kind of worldwide web environment. So... As a response to kind of that that firewall, it, it's become a very internal kind of mm. internet. Mm. If Do you, you think like. it works for them? Like, does it actually, um, I don't know, keep things in check, or does it just stifle the exchange of ideas? Well, I think that's the point. They're trying to stifle the the Chinese government are trying to stifle ideas, but um, it's kind of a it's kind of a workaround, isn't it? You know, it's it's kind of like tech has found a workaround mm, for this, yeah. mm. although it's it's still monitored. You know, there's because it's in this controlled environment. I suppose people can kind of exchange ideas and things within the context of that. But mm. you know, in terms of freedom of speech, I, I don't know. You yeah. know, I, honestly, that's, I don't know. That's what worries me. I'm like, it looks like we're heading that way. People well, are acting are. out of, like fear, and they're just going to end up censoring everything. Like, I, I think Facebook have heavily based their messenger strategy on WeChat. You know, um, being able to kind of within a with, within a, a messenger app, be able to buy a pizza or order an Uber yeah. or you know this kind of conversational interface that you've got. It's a new internet, really, with chatbots and things like that. I don't know if you saw. Uh, you can like Sephora, I think, did it where basically their website, but in in chat version. So you can order. I want some trainers, and they'll give you some options: brown, you know, size eleven, and you know they'll you can buy your trainers through Messenger. You know, mm. this is a couple of years ago when people are starting to do it. Mm. Um, but and they've got a little AI that works in the background on on Facebook Messenger as well, and they're just about to put together WhatsApp and Messenger and Instagram uh, chat to be this unified platform yeah. where you can kind of message people throughout them. That's causing an upset in the government just by itself, isn't it? But it comes back to encryption and yeah. Uh, yeah. they sort of released exactly. that story and the yeah. governments were like, wait a minute, what is actually going on? What does this mean? But I th see, the thing is, like, I think people can, if you have nefarious purposes, there are ways around by using the dark web or, you know, um, VPNs and all this kind of, there's ways around any kind of blocking or any yeah. kind of monitoring or encryption. You know, I, I think it's uh, it's one of those things that the horse has already bolted from the stable, you yeah. know. The only thing you're really impacting if you're trying to regulate that kind of thing is the casual user. Yeah. You might think, 
well, what have I, you know, I've never done anything wrong. You know, what have I got to worry about? Well, you know, quite a lot because people, you've got to trust the people that use it, that yeah. have access to it. And, you know, as we said at the beginning with the examples of, you know, councils using terrorism legislation to get people, it's like, yeah. that's the thought of someone at my local council being able to look at my um, Google history or whatever terrifies me, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. But you're so right, though. Like, people who abuse tech are always going to abuse or find a way to abuse and manipulate that tech. Like, the, the, yeah, the only people being not, impacted are, like, You're not telling people. me that the people at Twitter haven't, uh, you know, looked at Donald Trump's uh, account. They you know, definitely I just, like, have. They definitely have. Didn't someone, like, disable it yeah, for a day yeah, when they quit? quit. Yeah. yeah, someone quit. Oh, that was, like, was funny. Yeah. You'd be tempted, I love wouldn't that you? Person. I would yeah. never do that because I'm a moral upstanding person <laughs> as, a, as an internet granddad. But I, I'd do it. Yeah, but I, yeah, it, yeah, it's fascinating though, isn't it? If you could look into everyone's Twitter account, yeah. that would be interesting. But it would be, you know, it would be a nightmare for Twitter you know, if that happened. We've, we've covered so many topics. I want to uh, end on a sort of a practical kind of note as well amid all this uh, big brother. Um, so sure in the next five years, the... One important thing that we need to focus on, I think, is the education around social. Mm. Um, I know you work very closely with teachers, uh, Dan, due to your um, platform. Um, how do we educate the uh, generations incoming on social, be that safety, be that, you know, staying safe on social or the other side of it? The I, th I think data. we need to just have a really open conversation between teachers, between parents, between the kids themselves, that actually what are what what are the what are the what are the advantages and disadvantages of using social media or, or using different platforms and what should you think about when you see news on there? You should be skeptical, mm -hmm. you know, and just giving people the tools they need. I don't maybe it's not about regulation. I think it probably isn't, but giving people the tools to be discerning and to be objective and to, you know, and to think clearly about what this means, I think, and to, and to not react at headlines yeah. like my mum does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, mum. But the uh, giving kids those tools will enable them to, to, to grow up into happy, productive adults who shouldn't be worried about using the internet or using social and yeah. they shouldn't be just giving them that it's the same with anything in life you yeah. know you give them the tools to do it they'll be able to do it themselves teach them to yeah, be original thinkers yeah, yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> or just be sceptical about you know no such thing as a free lunch yeah exactly it's a good place to end it on thank yeah. you very much Dan thanks so much it's been for an absolute on. pleasure thank you. cheers thank you Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. <laughs>